Hello and welcome. You are listening to an episode of the Sales Chat Show. To stream or download a host of further free episodes that will power your sales success, please visit saleschatshow.com. We really hope that you enjoy and benefit from this episode. So, hello folks and welcome to another episode of the Sales Chat Show, saleschatshow.com, driving your sales success in the Sales Chat Show studio. The Sales Chat Show posse are here, Mr. Graham Jones, Mr. Phil Jessen, and I'm Simon Hazeldean. This episode is called, What Should You Do If The Customer Hits The Pause Button? Now, I'm sure everybody listening in has had an opportunity that looked like it was going places and all of a sudden it judders to a halt in the sales pipeline because something's happened to stall it. And we then end up in this situation where we start to push the close date on the opportunity in the CRM system forwards. And uh, the research shows the more often opportunity is pushed forward, the less likely it is that it's going to come in. But we've had this happen. We've had stalled deals. So what, what can we do about it? So first thing from me is a piece of research from a Fortune 50 organization that showed that 20% of stalled or lost deals were the fault of the supplier, nothing at all to do with the customer. So before we move on to looking at the customer, which we will be spending most of our time on, let's just make sure we've not caused that problem, maybe by not liaising properly internally around forecast levels, stock levels, availability, resourcing changes that are taking place i know phil you're you're adamant on this one you're on about salespeople and internal communication with their yes <laughs> generally speaking most of the time brackets sweeping statement coming up uh, <laughs> i think uh, we because we are salespeople, we are we are often uh, more attentive more more disciplined more skillful with external relationships with customers than we yes. often are with colleagues in the back office or on the production floor or that little email that we send that starts off with the hostile opening. It's come to my attention that <laughs> once again your department has let me down. <laughs> I had a great piece of advice quite early on. I was in fast-moving consumer goods and my boss said, every time you come to head office, let me be absolutely clear, you're going to go and see customer services, they make sure the products are delivered. You go and see forecasting, they make sure there's enough product for the customer service people to deliver. And you go and see credit control because they make sure you get paid. Not bad advice, actually, I have to, I have to say. And uh, I then said, but what if I have nothing specific to have a meeting with them about? I must have read a good book on time management. To which my boss responded, I didn't say have a meeting, I said go and see them. So build your relationships with the people who are critical to your success. Whenever I've seen on these sort of questionnaires, which I often call company medicals, you know, the thing that's designed to audit the health of the organisation, yes. when members of staff are invited to tick true or false to two key questions, you know, the relationships within this team are good, and the other question is, the relationship between teams is good. Yeah. The first question always scores the higher of the two. The relationship within any given team, and it doesn't matter what it is, 
but within the team, relationships are much better than relationships between teams, and that was my earlier point. Yeah. But this is about territories, isn't it? That, you know, we're in sales, you're in production. Yeah. And, and you set up that, that territory rather than trying to create a team of the whole business. And that, that's about how you manage the whole business. And Everyone's and, in sales. Yeah, everyone. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. As we had an example earlier, Phil was trying to arrange a, uh, a hotel booking and got a, a, sent from one department to another, didn't you? Mm. As you were trying mm. to to get to the person who could just simply do the, the hotel book. I was attempting to double my previous order. You were trying to double say. their business, yeah. <laughs> and they were preventing you from doing that. Absolutely. Because they, because of the territories set up between, you know, booking is not the same as extending booking. That's a different team. I, um, I fondly remember being told, you've come through on the wrong number. And I went... Well, it's in the top right-hand corner of your website. <laughs> it says contact us. I really must apologise for not understanding the intricacies of your internal telecommunications <laughs> network. I'm just a customer trying to talk to someone to place an order. Well, there we go. So let's make sure we're not putting barriers in place. So the reason for the stall could be us. Now, let's assume for a moment we've done a great job. We've done exactly what uh, Phil and has been suggesting. We've been schmoozing all over the organisation, internal relationships, excellent what else it could be a problem with the customer which i think we can tackle tackle next then there's well, a reason i, I yeah, think Phil? i think it's it might, might sound an obvious point but if if there has been a pause we need to find out the reason why and remember yeah. the offered reason may not be the real reason so i think mm. we need to be aware that although the customer might say oh yes it's sort of uh, company policy out of my control at group headquarters uh, it might actually be that our price is too high but he doesn't want to tell us that yeah so i think we need to be a little bit aware of uh, maybe asking the two questions so what's the issue here and what's the real issue here fred mm. yeah and try and appeal on that second question around so what's the real issue here and the, probably the answers are going to be different so asking questions to find out the reason behind it leaves you you know whether this is a temporary stall or a long-term stall or it, it, it's something else there's another there's an issue, an issue and you're very fond of your what what else what if questions yes. just talk us through that mr jesson yes i'm very fond of that technique taught to uh, me by my four-year-old daughter many years ago <laughs> three-part objection handling technique <laughs> the, the what bit is simply asking so what exactly is the issue here the what else is basically designed to find out whether that's the only problem or whether we're up against two objections yeah. or three uh, and the what if is so what if i was able to find a solution to that then are you telling me that we would still be going ahead so that, that's really where that little what, what else, what if comes from. It's just understanding what is the nature of the issue that's causing it. Is it, is it our pricing, you know, mm. in which case we need, or is it the, there has been a, you know, there has been a spending freeze come mm. imposed from head office, which means that, that you are going to have to seriously revise what you think is possible to do to yeah. do with the customer. So, or well, the, the what if under that scenario, if, 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 if the customer, if we establish that the customer is saying, well, we can't really afford to go ahead, with this £50,000 order this side of Christmas, then by the time we get to the what if, it might be, well, what if we were to break that down in 10 invoices of £5,000? Yes. Would that solve the problem? Oh, well, if you could do that, we can crack on. 
So it's about sort of trying to use those techniques to get to the real issues. So gather information, understand what's going on, understand kind of the root cause of it, not necessarily the superficial offer that comes back, finding out the real issue, then at least you know whether this opportunity is now dead in the water and you need to go and invest your time elsewhere, or you can do, or you can do something different. So um, the other thing that sometimes I think sometimes causes this is, is uncertainty. Now, obviously, as we're recording this, we, uh, the UK is still in the process of, of discussing and debating what it's going to do around Brexit. So do we ought to just point out the date we're recording this? Because otherwise it may be confusing to people. So this is, uh, uh, we're currently recording this in October 2022. Yeah, <laughs> and there's still debate about Brexit. <laughs> we're actually the uh, 28th of October 2019. Mr. Yes. Mr. Jones is just being a little witty there. Um, and there is a degree of uncertainty for British-based businesses. There is also a degree of uncertainty for businesses that sell into the UK, yada, yada. And there'll be all sorts of uncertainty of all sorts of different things happening. What often happens when uncertainty rears its ugly head, people do nothing. They yep. freeze. So sometimes we lose business to do nothing or to uncertainty where people say, okay, I don't have enough information. I don't know what's going to happen. So I'll play cautious I'll play safe. And that can be a difficult situation to overcome. Greg, you were saying before we, we were chatting about this episode, recording it before we came on air, and you, you said it's all the fault of the it's internet. It's all the fault of the internet. So I knew it. The internet's to blame for lots of things. That's yeah. your world, it, Graham. I know. And it's to blame for uh, much of uh, the problems we have with this kind of freeze. Yeah. And the, the reason for that is that... Uh, the internet has given us more information than ever before. Uh, the amount of information in the world is currently doubling every seven days. And by the end of this year, it'll be doubling every few hours. And so the more information we have, the more we seek. So it's part of our survival instinct. So you're talking there about people freezing if they don't know what to do and they're yeah. a bit uncertain. And so the best thing to do when you are threatened with anything that's a potential threat to your survival is that the best thing to do is do nothing because you're not sure of the circumstances. So instinctively, we do nothing, but we also try and assess the situation and get more information. So when we're looking to make a choice or make a decision, we look for more information. Now, when that information is in short supply, we go with the best information we've got in that circumstance. But when information is in massive supply, our brain goes, well, there's more information, so you need more to make a decision. You need more to make a decision, and there's still more information available. So the more information there's available on the internet, the more we stop making decisions. So businesses across the world are in decision paralysis, and many people in businesses experience this. So we try and sell something into a business, and they seek information about the product, the service, our competition, the situation, what life's going to be like in two years' time, and everything else that they could get information on. And they keep searching and keep searching and keep searching because there's more and more information available. That's part of our survival instinct. And so it's natural to keep doing it, which means... As a salesperson, everything comes to a halt because the other side isn't making a decision. Mm. If only the internet wasn't there, they'd have made a decision. <laughs> so if I was a salesperson then, some might say I'm not, uh, but if I was a salesperson, um, what that says to me is that I need to find out from my customer or prospect what the buying process is. And maybe there's three stages, seven stages, ten stages, but I need to find out 
what the buying process is and make sure that I'm getting the customer to tick each of those boxes off before yeah. we move to the next stage, which would include your point, Graham, about, well, I need some information at this point of the process. And also as part of that is to help support them through the decision-making process. What is it they need? What kind of information are they looking for? Can you help them with that information? What is yeah. it that they need to help them go through the decision-making process yeah. so this stalling of stuff doesn't happen? Yeah. So we might be able to give them a copy of a marketing report and three web links. It might, yeah, quite, it might yeah. answer their problem yeah. in five minutes. Yeah. But with a profusion of choice, what customers increasingly want is, is solid advice from yeah. someone who knows what they are talking about, so who is a in their perception is an authority in their industry yeah. and also should be an authority in their industry. So I think that's this overused trusted advisor phase. If it's too complicated for me to decide, I need some help from someone who can advise me and guide me. Using the Robert Professor Robert Cialdini influence principles, the more of an authority you perceive to be, more likely your suggestions will be followed. Yep. And also social proof. Mr. or Mrs. Customer, I understand you're feeling a little uncertain about this. What customers like you usually do when they face this issue is the following. And you use social proof. People pay great attention to other human beings' behaviour when making decisions, particularly if they're feeling uncertain. So I think those are a couple of things that you can do to bring those psychological principles. And, and Robert Cialdini's book, Influence, certainly sits in my top 10 books for every salesperson mm. person to read without, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, and I, I know from my research into, into neuroscience, the, the phrase that I've sort of adopted is confused brains don't buy. We have to give clear simple, straightforward choices to customer and help them to decide. And on previous episodes of the Sales Chat Show, Graham's talked about the optimum number of choices to give them, which is... Uh, three. Three. Three choices. One choice feeling like no choice. Yeah. Two, a binary, which is your your research shows is difficult. Yeah, you should give... The, basically, you're giving them a choice where... One is a choice they would have made in the past. Yeah. One is a choice they would make potentially in the future, uh, which leaves the middle choice being the one they're going to make in the present. So it's about, you know, well, we would have made that choice a year ago, but that doesn't quite meet our demands. That choice is, well, that's a bit too much for us. We're not quite there yet. We might be there in a year's time. So they've only left with that remaining middle choice to make. I have a feeling, it sort of almost feels like maybe a red thread that's running through connects all of this, is we're helping the customer to feel more certain. We're giving them some sense of yeah. certainty and control that might help them to make that decision that we hope is going to be in our favour. I think there's also uh, a hint done nicely that battening down the hatches is not really a strategy. Yeah. It might work for a month, but really, as a key decision maker, doing nothing isn't going to get them very far in yes. the medium to long term. Yeah. So if said nicely or if referenced through third party, social proof or whatever, mm. I had a customer who thought that once, but then he discovered blah, blah, blah. It didn't really work like that. Yeah. Then that might shake the uh, individual into doing something as opposed to doing nothing. Fantastic, but let's let's make sure that we're not losing business to uncertainty, <laughs> or to ourselves. That twenty percent figure is quite shocking. Just make sure 
have a look back at all your lost opportunities. Just make sure you're not losing them to yourself, never mind mm. to the competition. And if customers are exhibiting signs of uncertainty, advise, guide them, coach them maybe even in order to making a decision. Probably give them a psychological sense of control and comfort when they actually move out of freeze into some sort of some sort of action gentlemen closing thoughts well just thinking that it just comes back to the all of the evidence is that people want consultative salespeople. Yeah. Um, so all this consultative selling is where everybody's going they want to see you as the authority the expert they want help they want support because otherwise they just press the pause button because they're not sure and they're looking for you the salesperson to help them be sure perfect uh, mine would be uh, forget the package that you were trying to sell with its half a dozen component parts for a premium price and identify the line of least resistance which might be one product at a fairly low price but at least they will go ahead and do something and in the process see the value of the product our service the full weight of the after sales package etc etc and so as the Climate lifts, if it's an external financial thing maybe, but as the climate lifts, they've now got enough proof to say, okay, well, we've piloted that £5,000 worth over the last three months, so you've got the rest of the order. I mean, to Phil's point, I've coached many, many salespeople to use a land and expand strategy over the years. Just land, just get inside the customer's business, line of lease resistance, low risk purchase, get on the books as a supplier, get your purchase order number, then you come back in and start talking and then you start to expand. So obviously I'm not saying don't go don't go fishing for whales. If you can go fishing for whales and catch a few whales, you're doing really well. But sometimes you have to start a bit smaller and work you You're work sounding your way a bit out. like Eric Cantona there with his fish off the back of the boat reference. What was that he came out with years ago? Remember Eric Cantona, the footballer? I, I, I know who Eric Cantona was, but I've no idea that no, you. Now I'm wishing I never said Wales. it. Yeah. And, oh, I just remember the Ooh Cantona chant that used to used to go on, but I'm I'm none the wiser on the fish. No, we'll so, go- we'll Google that in a minute. Uh, a whale is not a fish, by the way. <laughs> That's a separate episode. Sales chat show competition, folks. If you have any idea what the connection between Eric Cantona and Fishes, please email your answers We're in. We're going to Google best it one, now. Best one Correct, gets a, wins Eric a prize. Best one wins a prize. So it's all getting a bit fishy around here. So we're going to terminate this episode. Um, thank you very much for listening in, folks. Good luck with unfreezing all of those opportunities, getting them closed. Please visit the saleschatshow.com website. And there's a host of episodes there to help to power your sales success. Thank you so much for listening. Good luck and good selling. You have been listening to an episode of the Sales Chat Show. To stream or download a host of further free episodes that will power your sales success, please visit saleschatshow.com. Thank you very much for listening to this episode. And from everyone here at the Sales Chat Show, we'd like to wish you good luck and good selling. (laughs) 